0: I titled this message today a back-to-school message. You know, I don't know. I guess, uh, like I said, it's been a rough week. I couldn't come up with a cool title or anything, so I'm like, I'll just call it a back-to-school message because <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And so um, I will start with this. There's There's been no other verse. not I know, for God so loved the world... That uh, he, he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, yes, somebody taught me that and that started my salvation with the Lord. You know, it's a, I'm not, you know, diminishing those verses because they are so important, but they are also the verses we kinda we kinda take for granted, you know, the most. But uh I would say that no other verse has really transformed my life more than Colossians three twenty-three. And uh it's right here, whatever you do. You know, and I had to realize this probably, man, probably years after, almost a decade after I became a Christian. Um, You know, I was a school teacher, not liking my job at all, you know, figuring out what I can do if I can do something else, you know, kind of regretted going into being a teacher and all that kind of stuff. And I read this one day, whatever you do, and to me, it was like, well, I'm a teacher. That's what I do, you know. Work at it with all your heart, and immediately, like, I hadn't been doing that, okay, I hadn't been doing that for years, as working for the Lord, not for men, and so, when I read that verse, man, I got to thinking about the poor attitude that I did almost everything job-related, you know, I wanted to go in, and man, I wanted 3, 3.15, whenever the bell would need be to come so quickly, so I could get out of there and really do the things, You know, that I wanted to. So, you know, I got to thinking, what does this look like? And as I go through this, you know, I want you to think about what does it look like for me to do what I have to do as unto the Lord. Not for a boss man, not for a teacher, not for anybody else. What does it look like for me to do this for him and for nobody else, for no man? Uh, He placed me here. For a reason and he worked out this whole universe so that I'm born at this time doing what it is that I do it must not be insignificant he must have placed me here for a reason now how do I do this like I'm working for him and for nobody else okay and the crazy thing is there is actually a story in the Bible where this is, this is flawless. I mean, some kids had to go to school, a school that they did not want to go to and learn stuff that there's no way that they wanted to learn. They could have complained. They could have easily taken advantage of the situation. They could have easily written it off and said, you know, this is not what God wants us to do. They could have easily done that. But they chose to do whatever they were doing as unto the Lord, and not for men. And the story comes uh, from Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to kind of go through the whole um, chapter here, kind of just do a little expository preaching here. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now we got to learn a little bit about this guy. He's one of the last of the few kings of, of, of Judah and Israel and stuff but but in my mind, they kind of don 't really count as the kings because the ones who were appointed you know from, the, from, from Judah or from Israel uh, were kinda, that, those days were kind of done at this time. Egypt was the main ruler of the territory, but Babylon was like quickly rising as like the powerhouse of everything. So, this king was appointed basically by the king of Egypt. And he kind of felt, Jehoiakim found his safety in being aligned with Egypt. He kind of thought, well, you know, if we keep paying taxes to him, because basically what he would do is he would tax his people heavily and give it to this other country. You no, know, at least that doesn't sound like anything in the United States or anything like that. You know, Texas heaven, just give away four hundred million dollars or anything. Yeah, okay, all right. Sorry. Anyway, so this this kind of happened. You know, so he's sitting here heavily taxing his people, giving the money to Egypt, thinking that he's safe. Okay, well, Babylon comes in just pew, pew, just wipes them out, and 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 and. Jehoiakim is ignoring all these warnings from Jeremiah when you read about those guys in the Bible. And it was like, listen, we are not honoring the Lord. We're not following his ways. We're worshiping the Baals. We're worshiping. We're breaking the first commandment. Let's stop this. And nobody would listen to him. So that's Jehoiakim, an appointed king of Egypt, from, from Egypt, who keeps paying all these tributes and taxes to them thinking that this alliance is going to keep him safe. Well, Nebuchadnezzar comes into the picture. He's the king of Babylon. I'm sure you've heard of of his name before. So he comes to Jerusalem. He's already wiped out Egypt, and he sieges it. Basically, he sets his whole army around the gates, around the whole city, so that nobody can get in, nobody can get out. And what will happen there is that they'll starve to death. You know, there's, there's no way they can go get supplies, they can do all this. But Nebuchadnezzar was like a genius, okay? Now, he was a very genius king. He could have gone in there and easily wiped them out. But he sieged them, and we're going to find this out in a little bit, so that he could go in and he could pick out the best of the best. I mean, if somebody could cook really well, then he wanted to bring them into his kingdom and treat them really well and he wanted them to cook for him you know and let him maybe try things he's never tried before if he saw an artist like who could paint really well he's like I'm not going to kill them I'm going to bring them into my kingdom and I'm going to treat them really really well and I want them painting for me so that I can see things that maybe I've never seen before he would even go into the schools And he would see the kids who were the smartest, who had the highest SAT scores, or so to speak, or whatever. And he would say, I'm not going to kill these people. I want to bring them into my kingdom, and I want to treat them well. I want to teach them our ways, and I want them working for me. It would be such a waste. So he was kind of like this natural selection kind of guy. You know, if you were low of the low, go ahead, you could die. But if you had this special aptitude or these special talents, man, I want you to come in and I want you to work for me and we're going to treat you well. We're just going to change your whole way of thinking. And you're going to want to because Babylon's nice and we're going to give you pleasures and we're going to give you money and we're going to give you food and home and lodging and all that stuff. So very worldly. Okay, so the Lord... This is always amazing to me. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah. You know, and so he's ignored all these warnings. And, and you know, one of the, the scariest verses in the Bible is the Lord delivered or the Lord gave them over to a debased mind. You know, eventually, God will pull the Jeremiah's out and he'll say, stop this, stop doing this, you're doing this wrong. And, man, he is so patient. He'll even give you years But if you refuse, if you continue to refuse, you know, we think of God's judgment as lightning bolts and all that kind of stuff. But all he does is say, if you don't want me, I'll back off. And he removes his protective hand. And when he removed his protective hand, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the king's hand. King Nebuchadnezzar, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. So up until this point, he had been taxing the people and kind of taking. But now, Nebuchadnezzar, hey, we're going to pay tribute to him. He even digs into the treasury of God and gives God's stuff away to King Nebuchadnezzar. These, King Nebuchadnezzar carried off into the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house Of his God. So this was kind of like, you know, a defeat of my God is better than your God. And you should really read the rest of Daniel to see how God worked on King Nebuchadnezzar's heart, because it's really outstanding. But the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So these are the people that he brought in. Okay, so these are the smart people. These are the young men without any physical defect. Not going to kill these people. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, so they're jammed up in school. Well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He went out, and he found these guys. And now he's training them, and he's like, Ashpenaz, you're my guy. I want you to take these guys that we found, and I want you to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, you think it's dreadful going into English class tomorrow, okay? These guys probably had their parents murdered or killed by the Babylonians, and here they are. They brought them together. And this one guy, Ashpenaz, is in charge, and he's going to make them take a brand new language, and he's gonna have to, they're going to have to read the literature, no more of the Torah, no more of the Bible, the Old Testament. But you're going to read about their culture, and you're going to read about their gods, and you're going to go learn their language. Now, they're smart, and they can do it. But what will be their attitudes about doing that kind of thing? The king assigned them a daily amount of food, and we're going to find out real quick, there's a big problem with school lunches right here, right off the bat. He assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, which most people say, man, if this is what the king's eating, man, we got it made, we're going to have the best food. I mean, there's a couple ways you could look at this. Let's make the best of it. Look, man, we're going to have money, and we're going to have the king's food. This is going to be great. Let's just do whatever they ask. You know, they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Okay? So three years, and I want you to think about this. Whatever we do, even if it is to go to a Babylonian school, a school where they do not honor my God whatsoever, I'm going to go for that three years, and I'm going to work at it with all my heart like I'm working for him. Not for Ashpenaz, not for King Nebuchadnezzar, not for anybody else. I'm doing this for God. And you would almost think, well, there's no way we could do this for God. But we're going to find out. There is. Among these were some from Judah. Okay, now stay on this slide for a little bit because I'm going to be here for a second. Among these were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, now we know these guys. As as, you know, we we still know Daniel for some reason. We don't know him as Belshazzar, which is his Babylonian name. Uh, But we know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is their Babylonian names. Okay, so the first thing that this guy does, Ashpenaz, is he changes. Their name. Okay, now let's look at their names right now. Anytime you see the E-L, that means God, okay? Anytime you see the I-A-H, that means Yahweh or the Lord, okay? When you see these names, that is, their name. you can see they were given godly names and they come from a godly heritage and a godly family because the family is the one that had to name them and they named them Daniel, God is my judge. You know, so when they looked at Daniel, they were basically calling him, God is my judge. He was a constant reminder that God is the true judge, the ruler over all. When you see Hananiah, his name, Yahweh has acted graciously. So Hananiah, when, you know, when Hananiah was, was born, the family said, man, Yahweh has, has, has acted so graciously. And they, they named him after that, Mishael, who is what God is. You know, the, here's a family, has kid's born, and they're looking at him and just beholding that God gave them a gift. And they, they say, man, who is what God is? And they name him, who is what God is, Mishael. And Azariah, Yahweh has helped. You know, so I imagine maybe a couple, you know, hadn't, trying to have kids. And maybe can't. And then one day, bam, you know, they, they get pregnant. And then, man, Yahweh has helped. You know, these godly names. Now, right off the bat, Aspenaz would have to say there's there's no way they can keep these names. So go to the next slide. The chief official gave them new names. Okay, and in school, you're going to find that there's always some sort of party crowd, some sort of popular crowd. And they will not want you to be known by anything to do with God and doing right and studying hard and staying away from the junk you're not supposed to be around and all that kind of stuff. They're going to want you to known as some kind of party, party or they're going to want you to be known as some sort of class clown, or, or it's going to be funny to be known as that lazy kid who always makes an excuse. To, to not do their homework and all that kinds of stuff, you know that 's the first thing that they 'll come after is some sort of give you a new identity where it 's not based on God, and you keep yourself pure and you stay away from the junk that everybody else stays away from, and you don 't talk like everybody else talks. You know the chief official knew I got to give them new names. So to Daniel he gave Belshazzar, and Bel was the God that they served. Bel, protect the prince. So now Daniel has to go from God is my judge to Baal protect the prince. Okay, that's what they're going to call him day after day, over and over. To Hananiah, Shadrach. Okay, so Hananiah goes from Yahweh has acted graciously to servant of Akut. Okay, so now this one, this one, I, I don't. I'm just gonna say this. I probably shouldn't, but like, do any of y'all kids like ever watch Samurai Jack? Does anybody know anything about some Samurai? All right, my Salem boys know about some Samurai. So every time I see, so every time I see some like Mishai, you know these guys, you know, I my mind goes that we go long skinny Aku. Who took Samurai Jack and threw him into like a time warp so that Samurai Jack never knows when he is. But he's got to keep doing these things to get back to his original time because he's got Aku defeated. If he can just get back. But that's why Aku sent him into all that because he knew he was defeated. So it was just a way to delay the inevitable. When you think about the spiritual stuff of that, it's kind of amazing. So, so every time, you know, I think of these guys, you know, they have to go from these godly names to, I am the great Aku, and I will defeat you, Samurai. And that's only funny to like two people. It's okay. Anyway, so to, to, to Hananiah, Yahweh has acted, acted graciously. He becomes servant of Aku. All right? To Meshach, or to Mishael, who is what God is, they just went ahead and played right off of his name. It is Meshach, who is what Aku is. And then finally, uh, Azariah, what's the last one? And to Azariah, Abednego. So Azariah, Yahweh has helped, and he becomes Abednego, which is servant of Nego, or the god Nego, which is like these moon gods, and all this kind of stuff. So you can see what... what the, the official Ashpenaz is trying to do here. I've got to quit calling them by their godly names. It's going to be a constant reminder of where they come from and whose they are. And if I constantly, eventually, I will wear them down. Because if you think about it, we only know these four guys' names. And there was a bunch of them other than that. So everybody else probably bought into this system. We know they did. Because two chapters later, when everybody's bowing down, I guarantee you a ton of the people that they knew went ahead and said, Lord, I'm bowing down, but I don't believe in this. I really do believe in you. And they look up and they see these four guys are standing. They're like, what are they doing? They've lost their minds. They're going to be killed. But in their minds. I would rather die serving my God than change myself and to serve these false, pagan nobodies. I'm not going there. So Aspenaz, he gives them these new names and he's trying to change them. But look at the next verse. But Daniel, but Daniel, God is my judge, said, there's no way this is happening. I resolve in my heart to not defile myself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. To which we think, there's no way this Babylonian official... Is going to grant these guys requests because for one, you're already offending their gods. You're already saying, "I can't eat this trash. It's not, it's not sacrifice to my god, but your god." There's no way I can go here. I mean, you would think this would be instant death, but look at the next verse. Now, God, now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy. To Daniel, if you want to honor God with your whole heart, and you know Him, and you want to never stray away from Him, there is always a now God. There, he will make a way where a way seemed impossible. And I hope you guys have all experienced that. God has done things for me where I thought there was no way possible. And He came through. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, Listen, you don't know King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm afraid that my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, okay, so he passes the bug. Look, I'm not the one that comes up with all this. I'm just following orders. And why should the king see you looking worse than the other men, your age. If I give you these fruits and vegetables and stuff, dude, you are going to like shrink and he's going to see you looking unhealthy and he ain't coming after you. He's coming after me. The king would then have my head because of you. Okay? Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, notice that every chance they get, the author is going to refer them to them as their godly Names. Okay, so if you can, you need to change your thinking and never call these guys Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so just a cool little habit to kind of get into. But here's what Daniel comes up with. Please test your servants for 10 days. Okay, this is where we come up with the Daniel fast. Okay, right here in these verses. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat, water to drink. Okay, such a good fast to do because I'm telling you, you know, right around about the 10th day, you know, I personally feel that, you know, man, all the toxins are kind of out of my system. You begin to go from feeling like garbage to actually feeling really good. Um, He says, Test me. And then I want you to compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. So. One of two things happened. Either they gave them so much vegetables, you know, the beans and all that kind of stuff to where they could still, you know, kind of put on the weight. Or God supernaturally gave them their radically decreased calories, the ability to make them, I don't know which one it was, but being the king, they probably could eat all of that stuff, you know, that they wanted. And treat your servants in according to what you, what you see. Just test me, man. Give us the fruits and vegetables we're asking for. Ten days, if you don't like it, we'll come up with another plan. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Okay. Now, Man, Daniel's doing all of this because he wants to honor his God. He knows God is his judge. That's what his name is. And he says, I'm not going to stand before my judge and be having to eat all this trash and conform and let them change me to what they're trying to change me into. I am not a Babylonian serving Baal. I'm not Bel to Shazar. I am Daniel. God is my judge. At the end of 10 days, they actually looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So everybody else who went ahead and conformed to the world's system just went ahead and said, hey, fine, this is what we're going to do. You know, this is, We can't do anything about it. But here these guys are taking a stand, and God allows them to look better than everybody else who compromised. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables and said they refused that food and they refused that wine, what if our kids, what if I back in my school days had just refused to to work like the the world works? What if I had just refused the alcohol? What if I had refused all that dumb stuff? But I fit right in. I wanted to be in the popular crowd, just giving right into the Babylonian system. If I could go back, this is the one thing, this is the only thing. I would change. When I gave my life to the Lord as as a 16-year-old, I would actually have done it. I would have purposed in my heart to not defile myself with the world system. It's the only thing that I would take back in my whole Christian walk. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. He said, you know what? You're studying all this as unto me. I'm going to give you the wisdom and the knowledge to know all about everything. He opened up their minds and he made these guys so useful to the king. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave him a special gift because of his attitude toward all that. And how was that so different from ours? You know, from what I see. When I teach from kids that just want a 70, let me do just enough to get by. What is the minimum amount that I can do to receive the maximum amount of reward, a grade? I mean, that's what our system, that's what our kids are trying to get into. But what if... They said, you know what, I don't want to be doing this, and I don't care how useful it's going to be to me in my future. I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. What would God do for you if you would take that attitude? There's no telling what he may allow you to see and the things that he would allow you to do that are really special and conducive to him and his plan. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. So here he is. I mean, he's probably proud to present these guys because there's nobody like these guys. He's probably going to get some sort of credit for raising them up. The king talked with them. And in one conversation, he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Amazing. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Absolutely amazing what God could do with somebody who will just go to school, go back to school and work with all their heart like they're working for him. And really start thinking, what do I have to stay away from? You know, I think of Psalm One, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. Man, there's places you don't go. There's people you don't hang around with. And there's just things you don't do if you're going to honor the Lord because you know it goes against Him and His ways. And all I'm asking you to do is purpose in your heart that you will not defile yourself with the worldly ways. And you will, one more time, we'll end with this verse. Whatever you do. Go to school, yes. Go to work, yes. Stay at home, take care of the kids, yes. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now let's look at the rest of the verse. Since you know, You will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And I used to think that was only in heaven. But Daniel's story teaches us that it's more than that. He will give you some inheritance here that you can use. Maybe you'll be able to preach. Maybe you'll be able to help somebody in their hurt, in their pain. Maybe you'll be able to see inside people's hearts. Maybe he'll give you discernment like nobody else. Who knows what he will give, but whatever it is. Is if you'll do this, you know that he will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Never forget it is the Lord Christ you are serving. But what about everybody else who does not do it like this? What about everybody else who is wrong and does it wrong? Why can't I just join that crowd? Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. Anyone. And there is no favoritism. Guys, that's something we have got to remember today. Who are you? Are you His? And if you are not, you make that right. As we come down here to this altar, you say, Lord, I want to be yours. And I want to purpose in my heart that I will follow you wholeheartedly. And I want you to help me, okay? You may come down here and that be your prayer. But the main thing I want us to do, and I wish my family was here, I think what I'm going to do tonight, around before we go to bed, is I'm going to pray with my family about 8.30 tonight. I'm going to get them around my couch. And I'm, going to, I'm even going to save the time. And I hope at 8.30, if you think, I want you to pray for the protection on my family at school, and it, they'll have the hearts to do this, to work at it with all their heart as unto the Lord. And, you know, I'm going to pray for my family about 8.30 tonight and get them around. So if you guys will remember, that'll be when you can pray for me and my family and do please pray for Jameson's healing. And, the, you know, not only that he'll be able to physically hear, but he'll be able to spiritually heal healing all that stuff. But for now, I want you guys, especially you guys with school-age kids, I want y'all to find a spot down here Uh, you can be finding us some music uh, back there, Nate, just to to play in the background, but uh, guys, go ahead and stand up and I want you to find a spot, I'm going to come through, I I hope I can make it to everybody, but if I can't, I'm going to be praying for everybody but guys, we're going to pray protection over our children this school year, we're going to pray for their teachers, that their hearts be changed, Uh, we're going to pray anything that you can think of, pray that my child will work like they're working for you. I pray that they heard this message and that they understand it. And I pray that I've done it in a way that you can truly understand. But guys do, please pray out loud and uh, let's, uh, let's really get a good spirit of prayer going in here and let's pray over our children for God's protection. Put a hedge of protection about them that evil cannot penetrate. All right, let's pray.